The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid? Scream Queens, the unofficial Scream Queens internet radio show exclusively on Poppy Chulo Radio. Today is Sunday, November 8th. 2015 and i'm your host poppy chulo during tonight's broadcast we're going to recap review and dissect the latest episode of scream queens later on in the broadcast get ready for a spoiler alert as we bring you the hit fox series as casting scoops spoilers and ratings Uh, so please welcome my co-hosts First up, she loves using a spirit board to chat with uh, some of her sorority sisters. But watch out, one of them said the killer is Y-O-U. It's Priscilla. Hello, from out in hell. (laughs) Yes. And next up, why does he carry around nine tampons? Oh, it's because he loves big cooches. It's Wilson. (laughs) Hammond Jr. (laughs) <laughs> what's up what's up i'm here <laughs> you weren't expecting that one were you no not at all got me that up yes unfortunately our very own prince rico suave is not with us he got trapped in hell and so uh hopefully we'll be able to get him out uh, for next week but uh we're all here and ready to chat about the latest episode so let's jump into our recap of episode 107 which was titled beware of young girls and it aired on november 3rd 2015 here's the official synopsis of the episode the Chanel's, Chad, and Earl attend Chanel No. 2's long-overdue memorial service, where Chanel delivers a vitriol-filled eulogy, proclaiming Chanel No. 2 as a horrible person who got what was coming to her. Concerned for their leader, Chanel's No. 3, 5, and 6 bring an, a, a Ouija board to Kappa House so that Chanel and Chanel number no. 2 can bury the hatchet. During the seance, Chanel number no. 2 claims that Chanel is the killer, terrifying the minions into plotting Chanel's murder. However, during a fever dream, Chanel is visited from beyond the grave by Chanel number no. 2, who warns her leader of the impending murder plot in an attempt to get herself promoted out of hell. Chanel reluctantly forgives her minions and recruits them 
to help her prove that Grace and Zayde are the killers. Meanwhile, Gigi tries to take the heat off her Red Devil plans by manipulating Grace into investigating a former Kappa member named Feather McCarthy, who ran away with Professor Munch, the Dean's ex-husband, who is then murdered and dismembered in his home. The Dean is promptly arrested and committed to a mental institution, but strikes up a quid pro quo deal with Grace and Pete, delve further into her ex-husband's death, and she will divulge information about the bathtub baby. Grace and Pete agree and soon discover DNA evidence proving that Feather killed Professor Munch. However, Detective Chisholm becomes convinced that Feather is also responsible for the Red Devil killings and has her locked in the asylum, taking Dean Munch's place. As the episode ends, it is revealed that Dean Munch did in fact kill her ex-husband and framed Feather for it, claiming that, and I quote, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Dun dun dun. So let's get everyone's initial reaction to a episode that was chock full of puns and uh, murder plots. Uh, we'll start off with Priscilla. Oh my god. Like, normally I don't like episodes that don't have Denise Hemphill or enough Chad. But holy crap, like, the Dean totally made up for it. Along with, like, I liked that the guest star, uh, Tavi, played, like, Feather. That whole, like episode was really cool but I think it got even better when uh, someone explained to me that it's based off of Dory Previn who wrote Beware of Young Girls about uh, Mia Farrow taking away her husband the same way Feather did with the Dean and I was like better I love this I love this episode more and I had to watch it again oh that's too funny Wilson what did you think of the episode it had some great points I did like that we had like Priscilla said, that a murder happened, so I'm good to go. Uh, <laughs> as far as filler episodes go, this is uh, a pretty good filler episode, but is indeed, in my opinion, a uh, filler episode. I was hoping for a much stronger entry into the series following its hiatus, but uh, considering what did happen and the the kind of, like you said, the kind of punny way it went down. It was a good filler episode, so I'll, I'm going to leave it like that. I'm not going to get negative today. Mm. Yeah, I'll agree with what both of you are saying. I thought it was a good episode, especially for being a filler episode. I think a lot of the internet, as far as people that were commenting on the episode, called it a filler episode as well. And, yeah, I mean, it certainly has the elements of a filler episode. The majority of the plot really didn't revolve specifically around the Red Devil. It was uh, sort of lightly mentioned, and we did get some uh, exposition from Gigi in the episode about it. But for the most part, it was kind of like a standalone episode, in a sense. The storylines weren't necessarily 100% related to the Red Devil and uh, the mayhem and massacres that's occurring with that. But even though... It wasn't related necessarily to the Red Devil. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the funniest episodes of the series. Great one-liners, great puns, great visuals. I mean, this is the type of series that's a feast for the eyes, especially if there's something going on in the foreground. Look at the stuff that's going on in the background, because watching Chad sort of like 
try to like touch the casket and uh, Earl Grey sort of like Ooh, pulling him away from the casket was hilarious. And then uh, watching Chanel, you know, give um, Abigail Breslin like the notes from the funeral, you know, as the casket. I mean, it was just fantastic. You have to sort of like look at all the little nuances that's going on in the scene, because uh, if you don't notice it, you're missing out on uh, some funny things going on in the background. Yeah. In that funeral, a candle girl lit another candle again of her own. And I'm just like, oh, I didn't I'm notice that. Girl. Every time, like, you have to look in the background for her because she's doing stupid shit with a candle all the time. Oh, poor candle girl. So, okay, so let's dive into uh, the episode. And we're going to start off right there at the funeral. The episode begins at uh, Chanel number two, or as uh, she's legally known as Sonia Hefferman. You know, we still don't know what her ethnicity is at her funeral. And we've got pretty much all of our core characters there, including a whole bunch of people that we've never seen before. And it's an open casket funeral. We found out that uh, basically Chanel number two wants to be cremated and have her ashes shot into space. Because why not? <laughs> That's what rich people do. Right, Priscilla? Yeah, apparently. Exactly. And so... uh Basically, you know, we have this fantastic monologue from uh, Chanel Oberlin about Chanel Number no. 2 and how she got what she asked for because, you know, every time, you know, uh, Chanel was uh, was basically in the vicinity of Chanel Number no. 2, Chanel Number no. 2 didn't like being in Chanel's shadow. And after the uh, funeral is when uh, basically the Chanel's show up with a Ouija board. Chanel number five grabs it from the basement and they suggest that she and the other three Chanel's use it to contact Chanel number two from beyond the grave. And so in the beginning, you know, everyone sort of like takes it as a ridiculous idea, but then they decide to sort of try and, and make contact. And after contacting what we presume to be her spirit basically they sort of start using her to answer specific questions to see if it really is chanel number two and so chanel has the great idea of asking chanel number two if it is true that chanel number five has teeth in her vagina and she answers yes which was hilarious Oh my god, poor Chanel number five. She always gets shit on. Like, there's no way that, like, uh, that, that she gets, like, let let go and, like, has a good day with the other Chanel. Now, my favorite was that, that's an inappropriate question. Or that's, not, that's not a good enough question. And then she said, yes. And then it shuts her up, which is hilarious. And so they finally ask her about chad and uh, is chad cheating on her and uh, or actually they've asked her you know tell us something or something like that and it and basically it spells out that chad is cheating and uh, chanel is angered obviously she storms out you know she believes that chanel number two is trying to fuck with her from beyond the grave and she ends up going over to chad's room and catches him with a goat in his bed and at first she thinks that uh, he was planning on having sex with the goat but apparently Chad explains that he's lactose intolerant and the reason that he has the goat is uh, because uh, the goat's milk is lactose free and Chanel apologizes and uh, you know initially they were gonna break up but then you know after Chad's explanation uh, and 
you know, and all that kind of thing. They, they're still together, and Chad asks if she wants to have sex, and she said yes. So let's pause right here, and let's discuss the funeral, the first seance with the Ouija board, and Chad and the goat, the G-O-T. Not the greatest of all time, but you know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> Wilson, what did you think of those three elements at the start of the episode? Poor Rami. <laughs> so you think it was actually going down? You don't, you don't oh, buy it? Oh, yeah. It was some clay <laughs> going down in there. That's all bad. Poor Rami. Don't knock it till uh, you try it. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I hope you're talking about goat's milk. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about milk right here like, whoa yeah yeah milk <laughs> of course uh, <laughs> that does not do a body good gross you know what i'm talking about priscilla no not at all oh well wow <laughs> you're okay, lost all right i got i got lost on the other two points what, what's the other two points man I the got funeral lost and the first wow. seance all right the first seance uh i i thought that was funny uh yeah, the mad, the, the finding the hey guys, I found the, this Ouija board downstairs. Like, oh, that doesn't even work. Or, yeah, it does. Let's try it out. I thought that whole interaction was really, uh, I was like, that was classic. I was like, wow, like, like they're really gonna go through the whole Ouija board thing. Well, it and, does got some dancing demons and a cute pentagram. And a yeah. cute lady or like, <laughs> oh my god, that 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 Ouija board is gross looking. Holy crap! Yeah, that was pretty bad and. All right, I'm gonna sidetrack. And what the last the funeral? <laughs> You're thinking funeral. about that goat? Yeah, man. I keep going back to poor Randy. Like, oh man, because uh, you know it's all him. about that goat. About that goat. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's so bad. And the funeral, I was yeah. The thing, my thing about the funeral was why now? Like, what? Well, because so they had just recently ish. Discovered the body. I think it was only a couple days ago that they discovered the body. Not that much time has passed from okay. uh, the opening of the haunted house, which was, I think, you know, maybe a day or two before Halloween, and uh, what ended up happening the last episode to this episode. Not to mention her parents don't give a shit about her. So like, well, that too, because they went and uh, celebrated her death. Right. Okay. So that was my thing about that. But other than they had a couple funny scenes, like yeah, like Chad trying to touch the casket. I thought that was pretty funny. And like, dude, like he was just really a goofball. Like he just doesn't. He's a goober. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so whew, I poor. I just keep going back to Rami. Poor Rami. <laughs> I think. But yeah, that, okay. So my three points. That's how. Yeah, yeah. Aw. It's gonna be a long long talk about this one because I knew we were gonna touch on Rami, man. Oh, I just said Apparently touch on Chad me. was touching on Rami. <laughs> oh, In more ways than one. Uh, I could not resist. He that. had to milk those udders uh, before they had sex, you know what I'm saying? Oh man. Priscilla, tell me okay. about your thoughts on the funeral, the first seance, and Rami. Uh like Chanel's whole speech like against Chanel number two and Chanel number two pushing her down the stairs was hilarious although I think my favorite part of the funeral was the ending where she's like I hope she I hope she burns in hell amen I said amen yes <laughs> that's so irreverent I fucking love that and uh uh the Ouija board thing I think my favorite like line from that is just like has anyone seen the movie Ouija no 
I didn't even know there was a movie. There is a movie Ouija, and apparently no one has seen it ever, except for Hester. Yeah, she would. She's fucking weird. But... Uh, no, this wasn't the 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 part where where they had the nine tampons, right? This was just no, no, no. That was the next one. Okay, this was just the teeth in the vagina thing. Yes. <laughs> and Chad is cheating. I as soon as I saw that, I'm like, no, he's not. I be- I, I believe in Chad. And then we get the Rami scene, and I'm like, mm, I I really don't think you're taking that for for protein, Chad. I really don't think I'm not buying that. Like I believed in Chad until Remy came out. Chad will hit anything that's moving. Apparently, except for Chanel, because he's like, "Do you want to have sex?" Yeah, I'm gonna deal with the the goat first, though. I'm more interested in the goat. Well, he's got to get that milk. You know what I'm saying? Oh. No. I, I, I think you know a lot about what you're saying, but me and Wilson are just here like we don't know. Man. Poppy, weird. Your favorite story must be Billy Goat's Gruff, huh? Exactly. You got to cross that bridge, man. <laughs> Was that the same wow. story? Wow. The yes. one with the trolls? Yeah. Poor yeah. <laughs> Rammy getting rammed in there. Oh. Uh, oh. That's why he calls him Rammy. Holy shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't have Boone, so he's got to do something. No animals were harmed oh. in the film or the television program. Boone's, Boone's bed was still there, right? He still hasn't moved shit or, like, pushed the beds together. Creepy. <laughs> well, there's like, that. Like, not useful. Holy shit, why would you sleep in a twin when you can sleep in a queen if you just push the beds together? What the fuck? Yeah, but you always still feel that weird crease in the middle. So it's yes. not like it ever really feels like one bed. Mm. So maybe, maybe there's that. Maybe, maybe he uses the crease to kind of hold down like the front two paws of the... Oh, the God. Uh. <laughs> Seems like someone really is putting a lot of thought into this. It's going too far down the goat hole. I mean, rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hashtag goat hole. Uh, well, I'll try I to I'll try to save us. I enjoyed the funeral. I thought it was hilarious, and it was just fantastic. Like watching everyone not really react to it, except for when uh, when Chanel accused Chanel number two of cheating, and then all the Chanels like turned their head to look at Chad, but then Chad turned his head to look at Earl Grey, <laughs> which was fantastic. And of course, as I mentioned, like Chad like reaching out for the casket. As it was passing by, that was spectacular. And then the seance. I mean, we sort of knew that they were going to head into, like, ghost territory by the preview that we saw last time. But it was it was kind of neat how they uh, brought sort of, like, a ghost element into the show. Because they haven't really touched on that in the past. And uh, being that this is from the mind of Ryan Murphy, it's interesting how ghosts and that kind of thing are interpreted in this type of world versus what we've seen in the past on American Horror Story. And, of course, I mean, all the seances have been fantastic, but the first one sort of, like, leading into, like, the other ones was, like, really good, especially, you know, still being stuck on, like, the recurring joke of Chanel number 5 having teeth in her vagina. (laughs) Teeth. Yes, and I think we've already said enough about Chad and the goat, so let's continue on with the story. So, early on in the episode, we have Gigi, you know, getting, I think it was a Cocovan, like, 
getting her cocoa van on, you know, trying to be all domestic and shit while she's talking on the phone with one of the Red Devils, basically saying, you know, that everything is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, why would this person kidnap? We're not kidnappers. We're out for revenge. And, uh, you know, you need to get rid of him and this, that, or the other because he's messing everything up. And, you know, I'm still trying to be like Susie Homemaker here. And, you know, it's difficult, especially when I've had all this time to plot out my revenge and, like, you imbeciles aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing and this, that, or the other. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, we she gets interrupted. Then all of a sudden, Wes gets home, and so she has to cut the conversation short so we don't get any more details besides the fact that uh, her minions uh, are starting to annoy her, and she's been plotting this revenge scheme for a long time now. And apparently one of them has to go because they're murderers, they're not kidnappers you know they've got a code which again like that's the only reason i brought it up my my theory panned out i was just like yes so it was she was talking to the other red devil about killing the 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 one that kidnapped zayday because he just Mm -hmm. kidnapped her he didn't kill her that's how i brought it up i was like yes Gigi has got this down and you notice she said devils talking so Mm. i'm thinking there's three not two Uh (laughs) uh-huh so Mm -hmm. this was right (laughs) Oh, yeah. See, we got this. The we plot know. thickens. Wow, so land again. Exactly. So later on, we have Grace and we have Gigi, and they're at I don't know. We'll call it the Gap, right? Fall into the Gap. Yeah, we'll call it the Gap. Yeah, and uh, they're picking out some modern clothing for Gigi to wear because. Uh, Grace says she basically sort of insults Gigi's, you know, fashion sense, and which I thought was fantastic. I'm like, yeah, just you know, just her face. Why not? It's better than yeah. talking about her behind her back. And <laughs> she's like, you know, you need to like dress a little bit more modern because you know my dad, you know, likes, you know, wants, you know, would probably like to see you in this and whatever. And she's she keeps on, you know, what if I wear like a fanny pack? Like, what if I had high waist jeans? Or what if I had these crazy prints on? What she, if I wore a jacket that the Fresh Prince of Bel Air would wear? Exactly. No, thank you. And then she's like, oh, but, you know, in about five years, it's going to come back in style. And she's like, yeah, but you need to be in, like, the present day. And so they have this nice little almost bonding type of thing. At least, you know, it seems like it's bonding to Grace. We all already know what Gigi's ulterior motives are. And she sort of lets something drop. You know, she she's like, I know that you're doing investigations with Pete and this, that, or the other. Why don't you look into Feather McCarthy? Because she'll let you know some stuff about the dean mm-hmm. and so she basically mm-hmm. leads them sort of on a wild goose chase in a sense you know basically stop sniffing around over here with me and my red devils go look over there right and so that's where I, wait go ahead i'm sorry i just wanted to interject that uh i thought it was funny that might have been the funniest thing i've seen so far that grace had the audacity to criticize someone's fashion choices really grace Really? <laughs> oh snap! You're coming after Grace's fashion sense. Oh, poor Grace! Wow, wow. Grace, really, Grace. It's she's, she's she's a dweeb. She is kind of like the Rachel Berry of the show, like as far as how she dresses. 
Well, Rachel Berry was actually interesting. Like, I I saw Grace and I'm like, okay, it's time to put on, like, to go to sleep and put on, like, the snooze button or something like that. Because, oh, my God. Why? Y'all hate Grace. I don't think she's that bad. Grace looks like she wears a training bra every day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Grace, that there's a reason she shops at the Gap. It's super like basic shit. It and she's basic. Hashtag, hashtag basic bitch. I think that was the point because the Gap has never really changed its style since ever. It's always been the same type of stuff: denim and stripes and sweaters. And it's funny that Gigi's like, oh, you know, ninety chick shopping in a Gap style store. And it's like, this isn't, like, she's still not catching up. I thought that was funny. Like, a plain Jane trying to tell someone who's clearly putting on a facade how to get out of the 90s in a store that's built around 90s fashion. Yeah. Get it together. Yeah. Do we, well, actually, since you sort of mentioned it, uh, Wilson, do we now sort of believe that this whole 90s, stuck in the 90s, I can't remember anything thing is a facade? Hell yeah. Just like, just like, I know this is a random tie-in, but just like with in Star Wars, I know a lot of people don't like the prequels or whatever to see whatever they're called sequels, prequels, where Yoda had, had been a feebling little hobbit this whole time, and then he busts out these acrobatic moves. Like, yeah, that, that she does that, so she like she's like, no, who who's gonna tr- who's gonna think that the daffy chick stuck in the nineties is really a calculated serial killer? Like, you wouldn't put that, t- you wouldn't put two and two together. You're like, man. You know, she, she just, it just, yeah, she couldn't kill anybody in some pro kids. She's too worried, too worried about the blood getting stained in them, you know? No, nah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's clearly a facade. Like, I think she's fucked Priscilla? up about her anyway because, like, she's still dressed up like the hag even when it was present day and was crying there. And obviously, she was taking care of those goddamn, like, little toys there. So I wouldn't put it past her to actually really be that fucked up and still, like, wear, like, 90s clothes because she's stuck at that time. She's obviously stuck on what happened at that time. It it, it wouldn't phase me at all if she still, like, was obsessed with it to the point that she dresses like she's still in that, like, point in time. So... I don't know. I think she's fucked up all around. Yeah. She does look like a member of the cast of Saved by the Bell. Mm. She does. Well, they, they, they said 90210, which is giving her way too much credit. Yeah. She's more like Jesse Spano. Yeah. Jesse was hot. <laughs> and you're saying Gigi isn't? Gigi's not. Aw, poor Gigi. She's, she's trying. Yeah, she's yeah. trying. Yeah, she's one of those people that single-handedly you know, put holes in the ozone layer with all the crap that they shoot out of their hairspray cans. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's well, that. She's going to start wearing white shirts and pants and shit like that. So maybe she'll start being hot. Who knows? Exactly. So She's going to bust out being hot at the end after she, you realize, after she's revealed to be the, we already know she's that, but once the criminal everybody mastermind. in the show realizes what she's doing, then she's going to bust out her sexy and everybody's going to be like, Oh, we knew she was the mastermind. I think it's going to be something like that. Yeah, Denise will find it out. Absolutely. So moving into the introduction of uh, Feather McCarthy. So she's introduced. We uh, find out she's a former Kappa, Kappa House uh, sorority girl. She's also a student, a former student of Stephen Munch, the ex-husband of uh, Dean Kathy Munch. And basically she's the reason why the dean and the professor are separated are divorced and they now live together 
and uh, she basically gets a little, a little bit grilled by Grace and Pete about the dean and everything like that. That uh, apparently, you know, the dean made her life hell once the truth came out that um, her and the professor were in love and all this kind of thing. And uh, she accuses the dean of doing all these crazy things, like dressing up like her, kicking the professor out of the house. He had to move into the Kappa house. You know, she was showing up everywhere, dressing up like Feather. And then one night when she was taking a. Um, a bubble bath. Orange metamucil. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, that was some, that was another time. There was a she was taking a a, a bubble bath and uh, they were using she was she was listening to music from this old timey type of thing, basically a radio, which I thought was funny. She called it an iPod or something like that. I was just like, oh my god, the youth of today. I feel fucking old. An iPod that's connected to the wall and it. it it's like sound waves. It's, it was just crazy how she described it. And it gets tossed into the tub. But she never really saw who did it. But she uh, she assumes that it was the Dean. And so she gets shocked and that kind of thing. And so she basically spills a whole bunch of tea on the Dean. Which makes Grace and Pete suspicious about the Dean. And so later on that night, Feather returned to her house. And uh, found... Uh, Things awry. You know, initially she thought, well, what, what did she think it was on the floor? Like jam or something? Ketchup. Ketchup, yes. Oh, why is this shaped like an arrow? And so there's a bloody arrow on the ground, and, you know, there are sort of body parts pointing in particular directions. There's all these notes saying, you know, you know, continue, continue forward, you know, make a left, make a right, you know, up here, out there, straight ahead, and all this kind of stuff, until it leads her into a room where she discovers Stephen's severed head in a fish tank. Just a head. Just a head, baby. And so Grace and Pete, they investigate, and they manage to link the dean to many of the murders that have happened on campus. And so... Kathy Munch is suspected to be the Red Devil and is taken into the insane asylum when all the proof and everything, you know, head into her direction. And so Grace and Pete share the a kiss after sort of realizing that the Red Devil is over. You know, they can now be together and all this kind of stuff. But then uh, the Dean contacts Grace and asks her and Pete to come and visit her the next day. So they head to the asylum, which was very Briarcliffy. And uh, for those out there that watch American Horror Story. And uh, the Dean reveals that she can't eat bologna because uh, processed meat will set her into anaphylactic shock and it's there that you know she basically is like feather did it you know i couldn't have done it and this that or the other and here's why and you know i'll give you information on the tub baby if you guys can prove that feather did it because you know i'm just here working on my fashion designs which By the way, looks the like worst stuff that was... it looks like it's something that comes out of elmo's world it's <laughs> yes <laughs> are we not going to talk about how the like the cops came and just took her away in a straitjacket. Like, what the f- what 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 is she the Joker? What is this? Like, she just went right past booking, right past regular city jail, right past all that stuff. We are just gonna put you straight in the asylum. We already know what you twist. We just gonna put you right in the mental institution. Well, we have to remember well, that the cops in this town are incompetent. And cause like the red, De- like obviously the red devil's fucked up. You aren't gonna like be all careful about it. You're just gonna like. You're going to do what you have to do. Like, 
hell? Like, he has a point, even though he's a shitty detective. Exactly. No, I 100% agree, but, you know, these are horrible cops. I mean, these are lazy cops, as, you know, they kept on reminding us throughout the episode. So, I can understand why they did it, but it's also fucked up that they did it that way. And so, okay, so as all this is going on... oh. Something of note that I know is going to come back in the future because we saw it in the preview, but don't mention what we saw in the preview just yet. We have a woman in the asylum that paints everybody. and She paints them very fast, and she provided Pete and Grace a painting of themselves right before they left. Ke- yeah, and Pete comes out as white. I'm like, what the hell, lady? I'm sorry, that was just like a small point, but I'm like, dude is Mexican as fuck. What the hell are you doing? Painting him like some albino dude with long hair. Orale. <laughs> but uh, make a mental note of her, because she's going to come back. Because she's interesting, oh, yeah. and she knows some stuff. Oh, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. So as uh, they uh, start doing their research, they find... What do you want to call it that? Hmm? Yeah. They're, they're, like, they're, they're the... like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. They're the stupidest yeah. yeah. the worst, worst detectives ever. Wow. Because they're the worst characters ever. Like, every time they're there, they're like, they suck. Poor Grace and Pete get no love from the co-hosts. But uh, basically, they they went to the police station. Pete went, and he got all the crime scene photos. They uh, basically find out that the killer had made a sandwich on the scene and taken a bite out of it. And they decide to find out what kind it was. And it's a bologna sandwich. And so they decide that, of course, Dean Munch couldn't have been the killer because she is allergic or whatever to bologna sandwich. Too. Which Yay. <laughs> Which I mean she could have easily have faked that. You know what I'm saying? But that's exactly. a whole other they're, thing. They're terrible detectives. Yeah. And so eventually it leads to the dean being released from the asylum and she reclaims her position as dean of the university and uh, Feather gets arrested because her DNA is on the sandwich because uh pete breaks in once again proving that the windows in this town are atrocious all you need is like a bug to fly into it and they break and they they swipe her toothbrush and the dna matches and so feather gets escorted away into the asylum and uh because uh, the uh, police is incompetent in the town. You know, they, they believe... They put her in Magneto's chamber? Yes, they put her there. And they also believe that she must be the Red Devil killer. And uh, just, you know, because there's only one piece of the puzzle that's left. You know, we find out at the end, as Kathy's dancing to the song, Beware of Young Girls, through her narration and her monologue, that she did, in fact, kill her ex-husband. And uh, she did it because she wanted to take advantage of the hoopla over the Red Devil. And if she made the scene bloody and insane, you know, people will have to believe that it was the Red Devil that did it, especially because she knows that the cops in the town are incompetent. She made the bologna sandwich as a cover-up so that Feather would get framed. And, uh, yeah, you know, as she said, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So let's discuss this particular storyline. What do we think of the introduction of Feather, this whole murder plot, and uh, finding out that, in fact, the Dean was behind this? I will say this. 
I love all the details they put into Feather because as soon as she comes in, you see her. She she talks about her her Beatles professor, and she has a green apple as the ring, kind of like the recording label that like the Beatles were in. And she has uh, a Mia Farrow haircut, which is exactly what um, Mia Farrow had at the time when she uh, took away um, Dor- Dory Previn's husband. And Dory Previn's the one who, who sang and wrote Beware of Young Girls, the title of the, of the episode, and what plays in French when uh, she's leading, she's dancing away with the, with the husband. I'm just like, you got your details down pat. Holy shit, this is amazing. Like, I was I was stoked. That's too funny. I'm going to have to do my research. I'm going to read up more into that. <laughs> Wilson, would you... I like, I like 50s and 60s shit, so, I was, so that's why I was just like, ah! Nice. I get it. What did you think of this storyline, this part of the storyline of the episode, Wilson? I had to look it up myself, like, because I realized that the song and all this stuff and how it all kind of played together. And I was like, I don't remember the girl's name. I can't say her name right. Tavine? Is that how you say it? Tavi. Tavi. Tavi, whatever. Yeah. Well, she does. She looks, she's a, yeah, she's a pretty good Mia Farrow lookalike. So I like that whole tie in, how you did, like, how they did that in this episode. And I don't know if you remember a few weeks back, how I was throwing out a wild conspiracy. That so like that somebody was gonna use the ensuing mayhem to kill off a few people. You and, did, and it just so happened that it happened with Dean Munch, and it, so um, I think it's funny though, like that this episode happened to happen right now at this point in the season. Like although it was kind of like not necessarily the most fast paced episode, how it kept mentioning how they mentioned she mentioned specific specifically that um, you know hell have no fury like a woman scorned. And it seems like all the people who are really pulling the strings are the women. So I think that's kind of eliminating the guys. And we're going to find out exactly how much power the, the, guy, the women have over these whatever particular guy or guys that are doing it. But we already know Gigi. We already know Ms. We already know the Dean. So there might be another female involved. No, I just don't. You, I just think. you just mentioned something that popped something in my head. Like Gigi said it's a family affair to like. The, the red devils mm-hmm. so we know that the baby was a boy so she's using at least one boy like or something right. she was talking to a guy i think mm-hmm. you're right though the females are the ones pulling all the strings sisters <laughs> are doing it for themselves i i do love that she says like nothing tastes better than revenge someone said that if not i said it i was like god damn it she's the best like if we couldn't have have hill the dean is like yeah. there to cover her ass, like. And I think that's the other thing. Good, I, I'm glad that the focus ended up being on the dean because without Denise, we were kind of like, I, I kind of like every scene. I was like, come on, Denise. Yeah, we're gonna have some more Denise soon, though. But what I'll say is, how fucked up is the dean to chop up her ex-husband, like, and to create such an elaborate crime scene? Well, she did have um injuries afterwards so he fought back oh yeah she did have the injuries yeah i was like dude there's a there's a brain there's a head inside of like a fishbowl this is exactly like the walking dead yeah she pulled that off that quickly though like either a she had been planning something similar to this for a while and it just was so happened to fall into her lap or b 
she's like literally the greatest criminal mastermind ever be on a TV show. Cause she put together that whole murder in like a day. Like she didn't have any time to put together this whole thing, sever the guy's whole body, write the notes, all the blood and all this other stuff and get arrested, get, get released. Like you managed to pull out and frame another chick all in like a matter of a few hours. Like, I don't know how she managed to pull that off. So she's had five years to think about it though. Like right. she's been pissed at this girl at feather for five years and, and she's, she's fucked up too. So like, I could like I could see her plotting and scheming this whole thing, but you're right. Like to have like stapled or whatever the fuck, like the head, the 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 feet, the hands saying this way, like that is detailed, and that that's fast work to be able to do it all at once. Hell hath no fury like a woman who hates people that say Bologna. Oh, you're right. Feather did have that like weird shit about like saying Bologna instead of Bologna. I mean, she was with a dude that looked like her dad. What was with that, by the way? What's what's? I've noticed that, like, as I've watched a little more and more of Ryan Murphy stuff, the whole like father daughter relationship thing. What is that? What is that's kind of weird? Like, because she seemed like she, when they first came in holding hands, I was like, mm. I was just kind of like, that is totally like uh, Austin Powers, and he's gonna be like, let's go for a little slap and a tickle. Like, I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah, he was Austin Powers, wasn't he? He's ugly as hell, and with, like, British dentistry, too. Like, fuck. Beatles creepy guy. Dude was slapped with an ugly hammer or something. He was gross looking. The dean should have been happy. I'm almost glad it was him, though. I'm almost glad it wasn't I I know we're still, like, I know a, a lot of people were talking about, like, I was talking to somebody else about the show, and I know everybody's complaining about not enough of the main characters getting knocked off. Okay, in this episode, I really didn't mind, because he was getting on my nerves. I was like, this guy can go. And he, I'm glad he did. I'm, and I'm kind of glad it was the Dean. It kind of made it even more sweet. Like, yeah, this guy had to go. And then Jamie Lee did it. Finally got her M on, on camera. Thank you. Yes. Agree. I was like, you, you're too ugly to be on the screen for more than, like, five seconds. I don't like you. The ugliest person on the show. The ugliest person on the show so far. All these beautiful people. And you bring this ugly guy. <laughs> yeah. What was the Dean thinking? He was kind of frightening. <laughs> So moving into the she really final, loves the Beatles. yes, she does. Moving into the final section of uh, the episode. Okay, we have uh, the Ouija board again, and uh, they're trying to figure out, you know, if this really is Chanel number two. Once again, answering them, and uh, this is the the best part, in my opinion. We have Chanel number six asking. She asked how many tampons are in her purse right yeah that was like the specific question and it leads to the number nine and so she drops out the nine tampons and then we have chanel oberlin giving in my opinion what had to have been like the line reading of the night i mean it's just it had to have been you know why do you have nine tampons how big is your cooch uh uh-uh. i think my favorite line out of that part is like, what was the breakfast cereal that like that that almost fell into my lungs and I almost died? K, I, you choked on dicks, <laughs> kicks. I choked on kicks. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Chanel was on task. Even caught is being like, no hooker when fucking like Chanel number five doesn't want to play anymore. Uh, Chanel number one is the best, and I told you guys since the beginning. 
Yes. And it's true. It is true. I will 100% agree. And so they ask, you know, the big question, which is like, you know, once it's confirmed, it, it is uh, Chanel number two. They ask the, the big question that everyone is dying to know. Who is the killer? Who is the Red Devil? And since Chanel is asking it, the answer is Y-O-U. You and so now everyone's shocked. Chanel's all pissed off. You know, oh, she you knows she's trying to get me from the beyond the grave. How can she do this? This that, the other. Blah blah blah. And she storms out, and the other Chanels are freaked the fuck out because they're like, "It's got to be her." You know, she's the killer. It all makes sense. It's her. It's her. It's her. You know, what are we gonna do about it? And so they're like, "Well, we have to murder Chanel." You know, we have to kill her before she can get to us. And uh, so they decide uh, to. Uh, what was the first thing? What's the first thing that they decided to do? I'm trying to remember because I remember the second thing, the the sugar party. What was the other thing? The first thing? Oh, they're gonna rat poison, right? They're what? What was the first thing that they decided to do? I totally don't remember because I was still fixated on the sugar party. I was like, that happens? Is that a thing? Apparently, it was. Oh yeah, sugar like like eaten in from bowls, and I'm surprised because these are girls that like freaking have like duck sauce and stuff on, in cotton balls and yet they're willing to have a sugar party exactly Wilson do you remember what they first suggested what was the first suggestion on how to kill Chanel I can't think of it for the life of me I'm sitting there trying, like I'm racking my brain like I really can't think of it because that's I'm, I'm with Priscilla I was like at least they got away from the cotton ball thing Oh, that's gonna bother me now. Uh, yeah, I can't yeah. think of it either. They they came up with some solution. They were like, "Oh, you're so stupid. You know, why the hell would you pick on that?" And then someone else says, "The sugar party. Like, we're gonna crush up diamonds and we're gonna like put them inside sugar and like sh we're gonna have a sugar party and she's gonna eat the sugar with diamonds inside of it and then the diamonds as they go down her throat, they're gonna cut her and they'll she'll be killed from the inside." And then they're like, "Hey, stupid. You know, diamonds are like the the strongest stone, you know, on earth. You know, how are you gonna crush diamonds?" And this that the other and who the hell thinks up sugar parties and so then in comes chanel and she's you know she's looking for some prunex because uh you know she's constipated she's a regular you know all the stress about killers and chad and everything so she needs her bowels cleansed apparently and that's when she basically co-signs on sugar parties and oh she loves sugar parties who the fuck has sugar parties but anyway and so as she leaves, they decide that they're going to poison her prunex, basically, yeah, rat with rat poison in the prunex. That's what th that that was the third uh, idea, and then Chanel later shoots it down. Yeah, and so as she's asleep, she has a prunex fever dream where Chanel number two comes back from beyond the grave and basically tells her that she has been sent to hell and hell isn't fun you know there are slip and slides but when you you know go down the slot the water slide it's like into a vat of boiling pea and you know you're getting motorboated from adolf hitler and uh, you know it, it's not fun you know she's trying to go to heaven oh and did you know that jesus took all the dinosaurs from hell <laughs> did you know that, that wilson yeah, I I didn't know that until today, until the other day. So yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I didn't know dinosaurs did go to jail. Like Littlefoot was a good dude. Why the hell is he going to jail? You mean hell? No, sorry, hell. Yes, which is kind of like jail. Same. The same thing. Exactly. And so <laughs> she's trying to make it to heaven, but the only way she's gonna make it to heaven is if she makes things right with 
Chanel. So she apologizes to her. You know, she was just jealous of her, and this is out of the other. And she also wants to warn Chanel that her minions are plotting to kill her. And so this uh, awakens Chanel, and um, she goes and confronts the minions and uh basically is like you know i know you're gonna kill me you know let's put everything out on the table this that or the other and uh basically they go on to say well yeah and, oh she gets like how are you gonna kill me and they're like oh we're gonna put rat poison in your prune and she's like hello it only works on rats because rats don't have gag reflexes you know once you swallow rat poison you're gonna throw it up is that even true no Okay. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Rat poison is arsenic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And uh, can we just say really quick, can we pause one second? And I'm just remembering something that Chanel number three did. Remember when they went to uh, sort of console Chanel and... Um, and uh, Chanel was like, oh, you know, and that bitch, Chanel number two, you know, was trying to take Chad away from me and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, Chanel number six is like, who would do that? Like, that is so rude. And then Chanel number three, like, gives her a look. Calls her out on her shit, and she's like, you were trying to sleep with him. Yeah, it was fantastic. Right. But anyway, so now, you know, she's she's done confronted them, and uh, she's like, you know what? I know who the killers are. It is Grace and Zayday because all this shit started once they became members of the Kappa House. And so she provides everyone with gifts. And uh, in the gift box are Nancy Drew style hats and giant magnifying glasses. And they're like, we're going to team up and we're going to find out the truth. We're going to get the evidence and we're going to find out who the Red Devils are. Are. And so as the episode ends, we see Grace and Zayday returning to the Kappa house, and the Chanel's watch from upstairs, looking very suspicious at them. So, let's talk about the second seance, the fever dream with Chanel number two, and uh, the fact that we have our own new all-girl version of the Scooby gang. <laughs> They keep saying that they're going to do shit, but they got pink nunchucks last time and they didn't do shit with them. Like, I don't think they're going to do anything with these stupid hats either. Which, by the way, look a lot like the hats that um, Kate Kittredge wears, which is uh, a character Gail Breslin played Oh, that's before. funny. I hope they like do wear the hats. I want to see them in the hats with the magnifying glasses. Like, that's just going to ent- entertain me so much. I thought they were kind of making a nod towards, uh, what's that... Uh, Nancy Drew. Yeah, which uh, Emma Roberts starred in as well. All these nods yeah. towards like uh, t- towards the the actresses. Like again, their the their, their detail game is on point. Well, I don't. She's growing on me. I'm starting to think she's cute. I don't know what it is. She's starting to get. So cute number to five me. or number one? Oh, number one. Oh, okay. She's like sinking her claws into you, Wilson. Yeah. I, let's play like this. I'm glad I had lit my, my marijuana about halfway through because that's where it started. <laughs> to I was like, what? Like, if I hadn't have been high at the time, I would have I would have been a little bit thrown off. I was able to put it together. Like, it, it, like the storytelling got a little bit uneven at that point. And I was like, huh? You don't I, like I, an old fashioned sugar party. You, you still think Chanel's trying to frame you, but she comes and she she apologizes. And, you know, and, like, and then the, the Nancy Drew hats like the, I don't know. Like, they all just like. 
forgot that she's like, oh, she must not be the killer, and just kept like, what, like she mentioned it though. Uh, Chanel was right. Like the the other Chanels without her are dumb as hell. Like so, as soon as she's like, no, we're gonna do this. No hooker. All the Chanels back her up. Yep. No hooker. We're gonna do it this way. Okay. Like uh uh-uh. uh, Chanel has got them. Like crack at the whip. Like like you're gonna do what I say. She's a good leader. But what I didn't like was that um, didn't Chanel number one like do her best to save Zayde, and at the end she's like, no, I think Zayde's the killer. Like we're gonna go after her. I was like, yeah. You know Zayde's not the killer. You you were there when the Red Devil was trying to kill both of you. Why do you think Zayde's the killer now? Right. She's that, she's that, just that, that, she's like the dean. She's pushing shit off of like her her scent, which makes me wonder like Chanel, like what are you hiding? Like are you the red are you like working with the red devil? No hooker. Cuz we know for sure that 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 Zayde wasn't. Mm. I'm I, I, now I'm suspicious of Chanel. And we I still I still think Grace's weird, little weird ass has something to do with it too. She wouldn't be smart enough. She's still shot like she she's wandering around the gap wondering what the hell to do. Maybe, maybe or maybe she's you think she's wandering around the gap. What? You don't think it's her 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 father? Nah. I don't know. I don't know. Wes just didn't give up. At first oh, I kind of thought so, but he just kind of the more I see him the more Yeah, no, there's no way that he's involved now just because of what Gigi said on the phone. She's like, "Oh, I yeah. have to make this dinner, you know, for this ruse and blah blah blah." If he so was involved, she would have said something that hinted at him being involved as well. So we know it's and, not Wes, and, and we know it's not Grace cuz Grace afterwards was like didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, why would she be intimating, like, I don't know who the Red Devil is and Gigi be, uh, give her something else to do if she was part of, like, the whole plot? Exactly, yeah. So now she's yeah, sort of scratched off on the list. But Pete seems to know a lot. He's very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Because Gigi could be like, you know, take her around here, you know, drop these red herrings and this, that, or the other. Because he, you know, he's the one that's been finding out a lot of stuff that ends up, you know, bad shit happening where they go. Like, uh, the lady in the trailer home. Which is weird. Like, you're right. But every time he comes on, I'm so bored that, like, I gla- like my eyes glaze and I don't listen to a thing he says. And this time he did that stupid, like, Matthew McConaughey voice again. Which is weird. Because on my TV, it came on, like, right before that car commercial with Matthew McConaughey. Right, all right, all right, all right. I was like, that doesn't sound at all the same. <laughs> no, he doesn't sound like Matthew McConaughey at all. It's a pretty terrible impression. It's true. Oh, yeah, yeah he seems. Yeah, but he's always seemed suspicious since the beginning. Because like, what place did he really have there? Except for it seemed like he was always seemed like he was snooping. You always seem to be in the right place to be snooping. And every time we see you, you're snooping around. Like, yeah, he definitely seems like he's leading her like off course. Because he's always like, but. You never know, cause those yeah. two together, like I don't know, man. Do you think now that your that your uh, idea that someone was going to take the whole Red Devil thing uh, happened, do you think it's still going to happen again, but this time with like Pete, or do you actually think that Pete's the red, like uh, a Red Devil? Mm, that one is kind of hard to say. I think it's going to happen again, but I don't de- know if the next time it's happening is going to involve Pete. I think Pete still may, may not get. Like, he, he, we may not see Pete shine until maybe episode nine or, sh- or so. 
like where we actually figure out what the heck this guy's got to go going on. We're gonna see. I think we're gonna see a little bit more next week, but I think about week nine we're gonna start seeing like what the heck this weirdo has to do with anything because there's no way that these that he's that that it, it, I don't know. There's just no way that they put a guy like that onto the show and he doesn't have a purpose. Like it's yeah, he, he totally draws the energy away from the screen. So he's going to have to replace the energy at some point, And it's going to come all at one time. Yeah. Interesting. All right, all right, all right. So, okay, so let's get everyone's final opinions on the episode. Just final thoughts overall on the episode. Mm-hmm. I liked the, 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 how many, like, references it is. I liked how punny it was. And... I kind of like this setup episode more than the past setup episode that we talked that that we talked about. I don't remember exactly which one because this one was more fun. It had like the dean involved. It actually had a murder, so it, it did something. Like it was is good, and that insane asylum was creepy as fuck. It was like, very Briarcliffy. I think it was the yeah. exact same set in my opinion, except just lightened up. Mm-hmm. It was very similar to American Horror Story Asylum. And I just to continue on, I loved that this was the most that we've seen of Jamie Lee Curtis in a couple of weeks. So it was great to have the Dean really involved in the storyline besides sort of just coming in for like a scene or two. It was nice to actually see her involved in like one of the major storylines for the episode. Even though it was kind of fillery, kind of set up, it was still, as Priscilla mentioned, a thoroughly entertaining episode that was just hilarious from start to to end. And the murder was very creepy as well. And uh, the twist at the end, with it being the Dean that set everything up, was fantastic. And of course, the little reveals of uh, Gigi and the Red Devils, with the major S at the end. Wilson, what about you? Your final thoughts on the episode? As far as the filler episode, I I, I think it was like a, a double stuffed Oreo. Like, gave you exactly what you were looking for. It could have had... <clears throat> In my opinion, you know, I'm always looking for another death. <laughs> but I do like my main thing was Dean. I, I, I wish we had a little more Denise Hemphill because we didn't get any, but that's okay. I know we're going to get her more. But uh, I, I like, like you got, like you said, I love the focus on the Dean. And I like how that uh, she actually revealed that she did it immediately. They were like, there was no draw out and like, they didn't play around with her at all. So I like how they went ahead and just put that out there and put, let you guys know. Hey, the Dean is nuts. So there's no telling her what else she has up her sleeve. Um, I like the little comedic bits. You know, it's very stylish, still polished. I like how it's it continuing to keep up. The only thing I have to say is, uh, and if Ryan and his crew happens to listen in, hey, uh, next week, can we get the music up a little bit? This the week was, the music was a little bit down this week. Last song tied it all in, but most of the music throughout the show was a little iffy to me. But that's, other than that, um, double stuff Oreo of a filler. <laughs> awesome. So it's time to get a little spoilery. Let's dive into some spoilers for upcoming episodes of Scream Queens. This is an official spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Check out our official Facebook like page by visiting facebook.com slash PCR. Are you afraid? I have some... Uh, episode synopses uh, to read for upcoming episodes of Scream Queens. We have some really interesting things coming up. The next episode, episode 108, is titled Mommy Dearest, and here's what's going to happen. 
Grace enlists Chanel's help to learn more about Kappa Kappa Tau's past and ends up realizing she might not be so different from her nemesis after all. Dean Munch goes quote-unquote psycho when she becomes the latest target of the Red Devils. Meanwhile, Denise becomes the new house mother of Kappa House and a shocking <gasps> and a shocking figure from the past returns next up the week after that on november 17th scream queens episode 109 is titled ghost stories and here's what's going to happen denise does little to calm the kappa's fears when she spins a terrifying ghost story meanwhile hester's shocking announcement pushes chanel to the edge and a familiar face returns to campus as the red devil claims another victim boon it's totally yes boon. it says uh, nick jonas guest stars yes i got it yes and then the week after that on november 24th is the episode appropriately titled thanksgiving this is episode 110 and in this one chad michael murray and patrick schwarzenegger guest star and here's what's going to happen in this episode chad takes chanel to his family home for thanksgiving where she meets his brothers brad and thad as well as his parents however an uninvited guest throws the holiday into chaos meanwhile dean munch gathers the survivors at kappa house but dinner quickly explodes into accusations of who among them is really the killer then the red devil carves up a deadly main course as another victim falls that thanksgiving episode is going to be amazing yes it also guest stars as uh, chad's parents alan thick from Growing Pains and cool. Julia Duffy from the uh, 80s uh, series New Heart. Don't know that one, but like I know Growing Pains, I know him. Like he's going to be perfect for Chad's dad. I completely agree. So, moving into the future, entertainmentweekly.com says that uh, Ryan Murphy has already shopped his idea for the next season of Scream Queens and that it has already been approved. The website tvseriesfinale.com has a little bit more information on that and it has a direct quote from Ryan Murphy. He goes on to say, I just pitched to Fox the second season. Everybody loves the idea of it and the conceit is three or four of the cast members from season one survive and in the second season the survivors go off to a new venue a horror-based venue and then they have to fight a new killer a new villain a new threat i've already started to meet those cast members and um, a little interesting side note that relates to the american horror story universe it seems as if uh Lady Gaga is uh, particularly interested in joining season two because no! uh, she enjoys the show so much. Oh, God, I hope not. Yes, but Ryan Murphy did tease that he's received a lot of emails from people that want to appear on the second season of Scream Queens, and he also teased that a big male pop star is interested, but he wouldn't say who it is. Oh, God, I hope it's not the Beebs. That's the first that person suck. that I thought in my head. Ugh, I hope not. 
Oddly enough, like I just I, like you mentioned Patrick Schwarzenegger, and I'm like, I know his name. Like his last name. Like is he related to Arnold? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's he's the son, and he played Romeo in right there, like uh, Ariana Grande song. So I'm like, that's where that's probably where you came from. Like, oh, that's funny. Ro- Ro- Ryan Murphy likes using like people that he knows or people that like other people know. I yeah. really hope it's not the Beebs though. Like he sucks. Yeah, well, hopefully it's something like stunt casting where they kill him off as fast as they killed off Ariana Grande, you know, sort of like for like the shock or something. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Entertainment Weekly had this thing called EW Fest, and they had a panel called Ryan Murphy and Friends that featured cast from Scream Queens as well as American Horror Story Hotel. And one of the things that I just thought was interesting is that uh, Emma Roberts stated that she apologizes to her co-stars whenever Chanel Oberlin gets particularly vicious. So apparently whenever Chanel Oberlin unleashes her special brand of Mean Girl Fury onto the sisters of Kappa Kappa Tau on Scream Queens, Emma Roberts doles out hugs and apologizes afterward. In her role as Chanel Number no. 5, Abigail Breslin tends to receive the full brunt of Chanel's wrath, sometimes succumbing to tears. When Chanel and Breslin hug it out, she's like, uh, and this is a uh, Roberts um, imitating. Uh, she's, this is a quote from her. She's like, you don't mean it, do you? And uh, that breaks my heart, she says. And there, are, uh, Roberts uh, basically says, uh, asks her co-stars, you know, there are times when she's apologizing to me, right? And uh, at Palmer says no, you know, and uh, it, it, you know, they laugh, you know, because they're like, why would, you know, why would anybody apologize to, to um, Chanel? You know what I'm saying? And uh, then in another interview with Entertainment Weekly, Ryan Murphy teases the finale. And basically, he they, the article goes on to say cast members Leah Michelle, Emma Roberts, and Kiki Palmer have received the script for the show's 13th episode, but not the whole thing. So apparently we know that at least these three make it to the end. And Ryan Murphy stated, they get everything but the last act because I don't trust them so what can fans and the cast expect to see in the last episode ryan murphy goes on to say the killer is revealed and we spent a lot of time taking the audience through how the killer got away with what they got away with so lots of flashbacks lots of twists and turns so according to the promo the promo said that there are five weeks left of scream queens so if they don't go on any breaks if they continue on the path that they are on right now. Five weeks leads into December 8th being the last night for Scream Queens. What's interesting, though, is that there are still five episodes left, so that guarantees that the final episode will be much like the season premiere, two episodes back-to-back, and it'll be a two-hour affair. Yes. That's what we're assuming. Nothing is official as of yet. But uh, certainly something to anticipate in the future. Truth. Now it's time for our campus superlatives. So now that we officially know that between three and four people are 100% going to survive the season and be sent off into a, not a spinoff, but into a second season, I want to get everyone's take on who these three or four individuals are going to be that survive until 
the end credits of the finale and who we think the killer slash killers are. So, um, Wilson, we'll start off with you. Wow. The last four that will be alive will be Dean, Munch, Grace, Zayday, and Denise Enfield. Um, I don't know I, for sure. I'm, I'm saying though they'll make they'll make it for sure. We already know Gigi's involved. I think Boone may be one of the killers, and I just I can't I can't quite put my finger on who the other other one would be yet. Maybe Pete, but I'm still thinking there's another female in there as, as well. So it might be one of those weird uh, Chanel girls. Boo. I, I can't. That's kind of hard to say because we've switched it up so much now. It's really kind of. I thought it was going to get more finite at this point. It's kind of getting more blurred. So I'll stick with my four people that are survive at this point. All right, now I'll go next. I think Zayday. Grace, Chanel Oberlin, uh, and um, even though I want to say Denise Hemphill, because they're going to do a second season and it's going to be a brand new location, I feel like it can't be Denise that goes with them, because if these are already sort of like young characters, it has to be another young character. So I'm going to say, because she's Ryan Murphy's darling, Leah Michelle, and... Uh, I kind of hope Denise lives on, even if she gets killed in this series. I think it would be awesome if Niecy Nash returns the next season and she plays like Dorothy Hemphill. She's like Denise's cousin, you know, wherever it is that this next location is. Like if they travel to like New York and it takes place in New York, they run into like De- Denise's cousin, Dorothy Hemphill, and is played by Niecy Nash. I think that if would be If she hilarious. could play a younger version of herself, like she can be like she can be whoever. I would totally like be down for that. Exactly. They need to keep her character alive, even if she's playing, like, family members or something like that. I think that would be hilarious. They'd be like, you look just like this woman that we met. It'd be be hilarious. They'd be like, oh, yeah, they always say we look alike or something like that. I don't know. They need to bring Niecy Nash back somehow. But I think those four girls are going to survive. As far as who the killers are, obviously Gigi's in charge. Boone, Earl Grey, and Pete. Bam. Drop the mic. Mm. Priscilla. I think that who the people who are gonna survive are Chanel number one, Oberlin. Uh, I think the second one is Chad, just because he's funny as hell. I hope he stays. Uh, Chanel number three, and I, I'm I'm hoping that this isn't true, but. Like it goes against like my taste, but I, I, like my instincts say that Grace is gonna be the last one to make it. <gasps> no Zayday in your future. No. Uh uh-uh. uh I think that the the killers are Boone, Earl Grey, and I'm actually agreeing with you and thinking that Pete is the other killer. Cause you're like you're right like. Uh, I, I think it was either you or Wilson. One of you said that like he's so stupid. Like like there has to be a reason why he's there. I think it was Wilson. Like yeah, he he can't be just set dressing or someone that like is there to be pretty. Like he he has to do something, and I think that's what he is. I think he's the bad guy. 
Yeah, and I just think he knows too much. I mean, I get that he works for the paper, but he still conveniently knows a lot more about stuff that's going on than I think he's supposed to. Like, if he was just, you know, a character that's, like, really trying to find out the truth, he seems to, like, know a lot and, like, really put grace in the right situation to sort of find things out or in the right situation to... uh you know, uh, be sort of like red herring type stuff. Yeah. Mm. So I guess we'll find out. And uh, we just got to say shout out to Denise, who will be coming back in full force as the Kappa House den mother. I mean, that's fantastic. Yes. I'm, I'm happy about that. Like when you said that, I was like, yay, more Denise in an episode. Exactly. And hopefully in like pajamas and they're like crazy pajamas or something. I don't know. <laughs> I just, we need to put her in, like, funny stuff. So, anyway, on that note, join us next time for our brand new installment of Are You Afraid? Scream Queens. Visit poppychuloradio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more. Registered users will gain access to the archives of previously aired broadcasts. Please like us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash PCR Are You Afraid? You can also like Poppy Chulo Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio. You can email us with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns at contact at poppychuloradio.com. Co-hosts, can you please wish the listeners a good night? First up, our Kappa Capital representative, Priscilla. Beware of young girls, guys. Good night. And of course, our Dickie Dollar Scholar, Wilson. Leave the goats alone. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid? Scream Queens. Good night. Ciao. Okay, everyone, before I let you 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 everyone, before.